0: Please take your seat to so we can start the meeting. My name is Erin and I am an alcoholic. Hi Erin. This is an open meeting of the Atlantic group of Alcoholics Anonymous and all are welcome to attend. We hope that what you learn here may be helpful to your recovery and your understanding. Tonight is anniversary night. The format of tonight's meeting will be a main speaker who will speak for 25 minutes, followed by our information break and the anniversary celebrates. Our main speaker tonight is Alice.
1: Hi family, my name is Alice and I'm a grateful member of Alcoholics Anonymous. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. I'm thrilled to death to be here. Um, So I am in the habit of timing myself and so I'm going to do that but I know that I also have a timer. So first I want to say how exciting it is to be here when you're actually celebrating, right? When we are setting aside time in the meeting to say to people who have reached a milestone, Like, wow, because if you're an alcoholic, the kind of alcoholic that I am, 24 hours is a miracle. It's a miracle that I'm sober today. So let me give you a little bit of information about me um, that qualifies me to be here tonight. And then I'm gonna do as much as I can, a traditional share, but I never know what I'm gonna say. Let's see what God has in store for us, right? So um, my sobriety date is May 21st, 1987. It is the only date that I've ever had. Is the day that God separated me from alcohol, and I am so so grateful. I'm born and raised in New York City. I am the third of four girls. I think um, we're five years apart. Each of us was the last kid. You know what I mean? There was like, There's another one, right? And you know, I grew up in a household where there was a lot of drinking. There was a lot of drinking in my household. Um, I had my first drink a can of Schaefer beer when I was four years old. Interestingly enough, my first drink, that memory is the first memory of being alone with my mom. Um, She couldn't really take care of me, and so she left me with family, and when she came back to get me, I know that I must have been thinking, like, who are these people, right? And I'm alone with her in the kitchen where on 96th Street, um, you know, it's funny because the little room is right across the street. I was at uh, 208 West 96th Street and uh, she and I are alone in the kitchen, and she's drinking a beer, and she seems to be enjoying that, and I ask if I can have some, right? Always that, from the earliest age, what Bill talks about in his story, that wanting applause, that wanting attention, that wanting approval, even as a little kid. By the time I was eight years old, in case you think that that was a fluke, I was drinking scotch. White Label J&B, that's what my mother drank. You know, when she'd run out of liquor, I'd go up the back steps. We lived at 200 West 90th. And when she ran out, the neighbors upstairs were her backup. And so I'd go up the back steps with the empty water glass and I'd come back down with a full glass of scotch. And at some point I made the decision, it must be magic. And I just want to say, for me, you know, and I'm a big book girl. The meetings really are for the new person, so I want to speak to the new people. Um, I was always in love with alcohol. It wasn't my problem, it was my solution. I was in love, like if I could wear scotch as a cologne, like (laughs) a, you know, the book says that we drink, right? The doctor's opinion says that we drink for the effect, but I drank, I mean, it was everything to me, Um, so by the time I'm 13, I'm in the balls. By the time I'm 16, it's a train wreck, like a full-blown train wreck. I get into high school and the girls are drinking Harvey's Crystal Cream. Well, you can't go from Scotch to Harvey's Crystal Cream without, (laughs) gotta like, balance that out and supplement, right? Um, It was was rough, so by the time I, I was 26 and I came into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, I heard a message of depth and weight And I've come to understand that a message of depth and weight, depth is that I can tell you that I had the same problem that you had. And you believe that I have the same problem that you have. And weight is that I have a solution. I found a way out. And so I heard that message really early on in my sobriety journey. I went to a conference and a woman was speaking and she said, she had two things to tell me. One, if I was an alcoholic, I shouldn't drink. And that made perfect sense to me and two if i wasn't an alcoholic and this is for the people who are here or the people that are on zoom if you have a lurking question in the back of your mind about whether or not you're really an alcoholic then not drinking should be easy man that messed my drinking up that that just messed my drinking up because every time i struggled i had to face the truth and the truth is that I was an alcoholic. You know, when I got here, it was the worst thing that could have happened to me. Like nobody ends up in Alcoholics Anonymous on a good day. Nobody. Nobody is like, oh, my relationships are great, things are great with my family, my career's great, I got plenty of money in the bank, Woo! nobody. When we get to Alcoholics Anonymous, almost to the person, right, and I've been here 34 years, I've never met anybody that said, everything was going my way, and I decided, let's stop drinking, no, No. that's not how it works. We get here when we've hit a bottom, you know, and I've heard it described many ways, but one way is when I can't adjust what I think is acceptable fast enough to keep up with what's happening in my life. When When the things that are happening that were on my never list. And then I start thinking, well, you know, it's actually not that bad. You know, it's not really not that bad. That's that's when I hit a bottom, when I have to really see myself. So I want to talk about my experience in the text, right? What you need to know about my drinking is that I'm a drunk. You don't need to know anything else about it. I drank, I drank a lot. Um, You know, one thing I'll tell you is, you know, I was, it's not true anymore. But I was like a little teeny, like I was so teeny that my head was like a bobblehead doll, like I was a little teeny thing. And guys would take me out and they'd try to get me drunk. Like, ha! Good luck with that one. Let's see how that ends for you. Because you could like I had been drinking my whole life. Like it was really almost impossible to outdrink me at 125, 140 pounds. Um, and so when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous. I was defeated. I have a friend um, who I love, Ralph W., who um, out of uh, Los Angeles, anybody that's not heard Ralph, go hear Ralph. And Ralph talks about um, WWA, a a well-whooped, right? (laughs) WWA, and that's what I needed to get here. Because when I got here, if I weren't really surrendered, I would never have done what you suggested. I would never have done it. So I wanna talk about my first step experience and then I wanna talk about my experience generally with the steps and talk about it in the context of my life. So my understanding of the text is that the first step is the only step I need to do perfectly. And that indeed and in fact, all of the other 11 steps are designed to treat my first step problem. What then is my first step problem? I have a threefold first-step problem. The first part is that when I drink, I get thirsty. It's an allergy in my body. I I want the second drink more than I wanted the first drink. I want the fifth drink more than I wanted the third drink. Like, the more you give me, the more I have to have. It's not like I I have to. I have a body that is different than my fellows. Once I put one in, I'm actually not in control any longer. And if you're new and you don't understand that concept, if you're allergic to strawberries, once you eat that strawberry, it doesn't matter what you think. Your body's gonna do what it does. And that's how it is for me in liquor. Once I put a drink in me, I'm no longer in control of my own body. And talk about humbling. When you have to admit you can't control what you put in your mouth, yeah, that humbled me down. The second part of my first step problem is I have a, a mind that's different than other people. You know, and the book says that the problem, it centers in my mind. And it's true. And I've come to think of the center as the middle. I have my body on one hand, I have my mind in the middle, and I have my soul on the other hand. And what does my mind do? It has like a theme song playing all the time. And it says, it's going to be different this time. No, it's not. And I told myself that lie over and over. And as a matter of fact, I've come to believe that the voice in my head that sounds like me isn't me. It's my disease. And let me just say, for anybody who doesn't already know this, there is a clue, because the second step says restored to sanity. And the only people that need to be restored to sanity are the people who are insane. Sorry. When you read the book and it says, outright mental defective, what do you think that means? When it says, full full flight from reality, what do you think it means? It means that I have a problem in my mind. I'm crazy. I'm crazy. And when you, you know, in many meetings, we read the whole how it works. And we get to the three pertinent ideas. A, I'm an alcoholic and I can't manage my own life. B, that probably no human power. I think we could probably scratch probably, but okay. And then C, God couldn't would. Conditional, conditional, if sought. If sought. I have to do something. And those are the three pertinent ideas. That's what lets me know that I'm ready to move forward in the world. But the truth is that the problem that I'm struggling with, this, this problem that I'm struggling with is true before and after I stop drinking. I got to Alcoholics Anonymous. I got, you know, got five years. Woo, I thought I was sober forever with five years. I thought it was an old-timer. And then I had 10 years. You couldn't tell me anything. Oh, my God. And 20 years, right? There should be a ticker tape parade for me. <laughs> and, and thank God I stayed. Because the question really is, how free do I want to be? There's no okay. level of joy that I'm unwilling to work to have. And that's what the work is for now, for me now. I'm not working to not drink anymore, although I've got to be vigilant. I'm working to have joy. And how do I find joy? I have a good look at myself, unsparing self-examination, right? Clearing away the wreckage, being of service to other people. But I got diverted. So the third part of my first step problem, because I've told you I have a problem in my body, And I've told you I have a problem in my mind, right? The theme song playing it is gonna be different, right? Which is a lie. And I know it's a lie, but I can't not drink. Because the first step doesn't mean you can't drink. The first step means you can't not drink. But the killer for me, really, and the thing that I always really like to focus on, particularly for the new person, is the third part of my first step problem, which is my spiritual malady which is my soul sickness. It's that thing in me where I just don't feel good enough. I don't fit in, I don't belong. If you really knew. And all of that's driven, and the book tells me that, by a hundred forms of fear, right? The evil and corroding thread that my life is shot through with. And then I go through the work and I find out that Fear is a lie from the pit of hell. That fear keeps me trapped. That's why the third step prayer says bondage of self. It's not God relieve me from drinking. God relieve me from the bondage of myself. You know, the fifth step talks about the exact nature of my wrongs. Not everything I did wrong. My wrong thinking, my wrong understanding. The way that I sit inside myself and I look out in the world and I have these Thoughts that are incorrect. You know, Clancy said that <laughs> if, if you um, if you treat them normal, he just feels slighted. Right? That that's that's my spiritual malady. The looking at you and and you know, fill in the blank for yourself. Your outfit, your car, your house, your relationship, your job, your dog, your shoes. And I think, man, they really got it. Like, I don't have it. And that drove me to drink. The doctor's opinion, which I think is a beautiful, beautiful part of the book, talks about the spree, right? We know the well-known stages of the spree. I do something that brings me pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. I swear, and I mean it. Particularly when I'm on the floor, pressing my face to the porcelain God. I swear (laughs) I'm never gonna do it again. And then I get so restless, so irritable, so discontent. Like restless, I can't get comfortable in my own body. Like I'm, mm, so irritable. Man, why are you breathing? Like I just want to punch you in the throat, and I'm smiling, right? In discontent, no matter what I have, I want something else, and I and I have this thing where I'm like, well, if I could get that, well, if I could get that, well, when I want to achieve. and then it's I, then what? Well, then I got a card note, right? It it, I don't, it doesn't even matter, and then I'm in that state of misery until ultimately I can't imagine drinking is going to make it worse, and so I do, over and over. That's my first step problem. And my experience has been, until I really understand that, I'm not going to take the suggestions. I'm not going to do the rest of the work. Let me say that the coming to believe part's important, but I already had a power greater than me, and it was alcohol. If I tell the truth. And so then I need to be restored to sanity. And then, unless I do that, I'm definitely not doing three. Right? I'm definitely not doing... I am not going to surrender my life and my will to anything as long as I think I can run the show. There is a God, right? Because I'm, I'm, I I'm, have current day Gnosticism. There's a God. He's in Haiti helping the people, Lord, right? There's a mudslide and all oh, the poor people, he, oh my, he's busy. So I got this, right? The theme song comes back, I got this, right? <laughs> And so three really requires a good one and a good two. And then I get to four. Oh, I'm going to talk fast on this. I love four. Woo! I love four. <laughs> Let's stop scaring the new people about four. Stop it. Four is everything, man. Four is the pathway to freedom. Three parts of the inventory, you guys know what they are resentment, right? Fear, sex. And let me say about the sex inventory not everybody has sex with, nobody cares, nobody cares, nobody cares. It's not that interesting to us. We're only talking about where you've harmed people. Right? And, and in, the, in the first part of it, the resentments, right? The, your friends could write the first two columns for you. Because what do you do? You call them and say, here's who I'm mad at. You know what she said, you know what he did, you know my, co-. they already know who you're mad at and why. Your friends could do it. Just let them do it. Then you could do three, right? And three is very specific in the book. There's seven things that we need to be concerned with. And every time I'm affected by something, it tells me I have a fear. I gotta be quick. If you come up to me and you tell me, you know, babe, it looks like you put on a little weight during the pandemic, like, you know, you might want to do something. I I have a feeling about that. I'm affected by that because I think I'm fat, right? But if you come up to me and you tell me, you know, you're not that bright. I'm so not affected by that. Why? I know that's not true. I know that's not true, right? And so anytime I'm affected by anything somebody does, spiritual axiom in 10, 100% of the time when I'm disturbed is me. Because I can only be affected by something you do if I have an underlying fear. And my job in the fear inventory is to figure out what that is. What are my core fears? Because those are the things that are running my life. And I can't, there are three things I can't do I can't stop drinking on my own, I can't do anything about a resentment on my own, and I can't do anything about being selfish on my own. I have to go to God for those things. Oh, spoiler alert if you don't know it and you're new, the whole deal's God, the whole deal's God, the whole deal is God, the whole deal's God. If you're uncomfortable with God, get a God that you believe in. Do a wanted ad, write down what you want. Friendly, kind, nice, pa- I don't care, write it down. You can have that God, the God of your understanding. They literally mean your understanding. So you know, we get through four and then we find somebody that we, that we trust to, to tell. To tell, why? Because I have been creating, Sydney out of L.A., I have been creating a pattern of pain in my own life. I've been, I don't care what anybody did to you. You were molested, your parents neglected you, they beat you, you didn't get Barbie in the decant, right? Whatever it was, right? That is then. You're still mad about that 30 years later? It's you now. You are creating the pattern of pain in your life. And if you wanna be free, you gotta let it go. Maybe it wasn't the best parenting. Maybe it wasn't, let it go. Because you can be free or you can have bondage of self. In my experience of bondage of self is it never ends well for me. So I have to have a five to tell somebody so they can help me see myself. You know, apparently Mark Houston used to say all the time, you are asleep dreaming that you're awake. I can't see myself, I think I, think about this if you've been around for a while. Didn't you think you knew everything at one year sober? Right, remember that, remember that? Delusion, right, when we do our nightly inventory, that's the delusion part. I'm under the delusion that I should get what I want. I'm under the delusion if I'm nice to people, they're gonna, I'm under the, no, that's a lie. I'm gonna get what God has for me, and guess what? Every day above ground's a good day. Whatever I got coming, yay, that's it. That's the fourth dimension for me, that whatever I get, I get to choose happiness and joy no matter what. So we're at six, right? Once you do five, you're at eight, right? I sit for quietly for an hour, and then I say to God, okay, these things, I could see these are, obje- I'm blind, but I can see these things are objectionable. I can see these things are objectionable. Am I willing to have them taken away? And then I ask God to take them away. And then I make a list. Eh, I don't think that this is done. When I do four, I think I've got to do some additional work. But ultimately, I test whether or not I was serious about my third step and my ninth step. Because if God's got me, I'm not afraid of anybody. I can go anywhere and say anything I need to say to anybody. And guess what? It's not I'm sorry, because nobody cares. Here's how I've harmed you. I don't want to live like that anymore. What can I do to make it right? Amend. Not sweep. Amend. You know, and then I get to the place where I get to do four through nine every day in my tenth step. When those feelings come up: fear, resentment, jealousy, angry, you know, you know what, you know the monsters that live inside you. You turn immediately to God. You call somebody that you, you trust. Don't call the friend that says, I can't believe they did that. That's not, that's not the friend to call. <laughs> call the friend that's gonna be like, really? Because you know, I remember when I did something like that and they tell you the truth about yourself. And then I did 11. When I work with people, I start them on 11 immediately. You know, Tyler C. out of uh, San Diego from BBA helped me figure that out. Like, why am I waiting? I start people immediately on, on awakening. And here's the challenge. If you read on awakening, and you do a nightly inventory every day for 90 days, I bet you it'll change your life. I bet you. That's my challenge to you. I bet you it'll change your life. And then I do 12, right? The three parts of 12. And and remember, I'm crazy. So my home group is the Bronx Big Book. We meet every single night at 9 p.m. Every night, it's an intensive line by line study of the book. And every night there's a new speaker. And I'm the only booker, I book. And I do all the flyers. And I sponsor more than 15 people. And I speak all that, like, I, whatever you want. Whatever you guys want me to do, I'm gonna do that because I couldn't be more grateful. And guess what gratitude is? It's an action word. And this is an action program. So when you ask me to show up, that's what I do. Um, I got about three minutes left. Let's see what I'm gonna tell you in three minutes. Maybe I got two minutes left. My time is like, hmm, you think you got three. Um, <laughs> the hook. So, the thing that I want to leave you with is the place that it took me a long time to get to. And if you can get there faster, I beg of you to do it. When I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, a lot of bad things had happened to me. A lot of bad things. I mean, I've been molested by a parade of people, like bad things that happened to me. And what I've come to understand through the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, and in unsparing self-examination is that nothing ever happened to me. Everything happened for me. And the book tells me that. No matter how far down the scale you've gone, you can see how your experience can benefit others. Why do I need my experience to benefit others? Because on the top of page 77, it tells me that my real purpose is to fit myself, to be of maximum service to God and the people around me. Why do I have to fit myself? Because when I come in, I'm self-centered, I'm self-seeking. Hey, newsflash, low self-esteem is still self. Right? It's still self-pity, it's still self. And I have to learn how to get out of self, and I have to fit myself to be of service to you. And guess what makes me of value to you? The things that have happened. My own lived experience, my disappointment, my heartbreak, my mistakes, my devastation, my heartbreak makes me of service to you. So I want to, again, thank you guys for having me be here. She got the one-minute side. I'm ahead of her. Um, I want to thank you guys again for having me be here, especially on a night that you're celebrating, right? When you get to celebrate each other, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to do. And if you've got one day, if you've got 50 years, it doesn't matter. Like, every day that we don't drink is a miracle. So my name is Alice, and I am a (laughs) drunk.
0: Um, and Let's thank tonight's speaker, Alice. Yeah. have heard a meeting